I am in a house of clowns and I'm going to be scared, I'm going to enjoy it, I'm going to have uh, people shout at me and I'll be startled, but then I'll leave and be happy and enjoyed it and want to do it again. So, I've basically had snake counselling, yeah? Love that. Oh, that's interesting. Coming into yeah. me. So let's talk about your fears. <laughs> You're like, oh, can you stop whispering in yeah. my ear? Where hinges creak in doorless chambers. Where strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls. This is... The Theme Park Loopy Podcast. Today we are joined by very special guest Mikey from ScareTrack. You may have heard us on the Scare Trap podcast only a few weeks ago where we've decided to return the favour and Mikey's come and joined us on the podcast. What we didn't want to do is kind of repeat the same conversation that we had on Scare Trap. So what we decided to do is firstly talk a little bit about Scare Trap and how it all came about. And then secondly, we're going to talk about the psychology of fear. We're going to be talking about how fear may have manifested as a child and how that may have actually affected us so that when we go to scare attractions or maybe when we're looking to go on rides, how fear can manifest itself, whether that's a rational fear or an irrational fear, perhaps. Mikey, uh, how are you doing? Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, no, I'm really good, thank you. Um, yeah, so my name's Mikey, and I'm one of the lead hosts of the Scare Track podcast and Scare Track YouTube channel. Um, we've been going around five years now, and we, we basically go to as many scare attractions as we can. Uh, we re- review them uh, on the podcast. We'll do a mini vlog style scare cam on our YouTube channel as well. Um, we talk to um, creators, developers, actors, uh, special effects artists, anyone within the, the UK scare industry, really. Um, and we sort of overflow that onto the onto the uh, YouTube channel as well. We make a little scare cam episodes, maybe some behind the screams episodes from uh, a few haunted houses here in the UK. So anything sort of scare attraction related, uh, we try and cover, really. Brilliant. Thanks, Mikey. And of course, we've not just got Mikey with us. Oh, no. We've also got Sam from Coaster Sam Blog. And of course, we've got Brett from Theme Parks by Brett. So, Sam, how are you doing? Yeah. Hi, it's me, Sam from Coaster Sam Blog. You can find me and keep up to date with everything going on in our little universe uh, on our Slice of Paradise. That's at Coaster Sam Blog on Instagram, where you can find news, articles, opinion pieces. And we also run our very own theme park trivia game show made by enthusiasts for enthusiasts starring enthusiasts so come along check out our instagram and now our youtube uh, on (laughs) on youtube yeah that's coaster sound blog on there as well come and have fun with us uh we're, we're a nice bunch over there i say we're a nice bunch it's just me it's just me so come and entertain me please someone come and entertain yeah. me <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> yeah course the sand blog and, and of course um free feel free to uh dm and, and chill with sam 
Uh, Brett, how, how are you doing? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm doing great, thank you, as usual. I, I was going to say thanks for having me, but like like Sam said, you know, we're, we're just, we're, we're the furniture now. So, um, yeah, I, I'm doing good today. Uh, you can also find my stuff on my Instagram at Theme Parts by Brett, where I post all my Theme Park related artwork and stuff like that. But since we're talking about scare attractions, uh, I also have my own scare attraction company called Fear and Sons Immersive Horror Consulting. Uh, I've run scare attractions before. Uh, I know Mikey quite well from going to ScareCon uh, and different scare attractions about. So I'm excited to have a good, scary conversation today. Yeah, having a conversation, all things spooky. So, Mikey, obviously you've told us uh, a little bit about ScareTrack, but how did um, ScareTrack come about? How what what was it that made you want to bring ScareTrack to the world? Um, great question. So, uh, ScareTrack, I mean. I am scared of my own shadow, uh, and Brett will will vouch for that. Brett's seen me in attractions. Um, I get scared quite e- not easily, but I can just get scared pretty well, can't I, Brett? I can confirm. Thank you. Um, so, um, and I was sort of getting into the uh, scare industry um, through theme parks, really. You know, meeting uh, people that are run attractions, meet, meeting Michael Barton from uh, Scare ScareCon. Um, so I started to sort of love them back in sort of 2010, 11. And as time uh, went on, it got to 2015. And a friend of mine um, said, you know what, there's there's haunt reviewers, there's theme park YouTubers, um, but no one runs a podcast about scare attractions here in the UK. Uh, whereas in the States, there's tons of them, and they're all great. Uh, they're really, really good stuff out there. So we thought, well, okay, let's do it. Let's let's be the first one to do it. Um, no one else was doing it in the UK. Um, that lasted for about 16 episodes before he was like, nah, I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take over. And I sort of uh, rebranded everything in, in a certain way and sort of drove it in a slightly different direction. Um, and and here we are today, you know, uh, we're, we're still, uh, uh, you know, we're in niche thing. There's not many, uh, not many hundreds of thousands of people around the world always want to listen to a haunted house podcast um you know we're niche within a niche but uh we're growing each year and um have loads of fun doing it as well so it is more of a case of there's not one in the uk let's um give the listeners something uh, who who love scare attractions something to listen to and what would you say has been the highlight then of of scare track would you say has it been has it been one single thing you can say has been a highlight or has it been many highlights um there's been a few really i mean just going to i, I do this because it, it's it's a hobby it's what i enjoy i love 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 going to events and i love sort of uh reviewing them dissecting them getting really deep into some of them um you know going to traumatica and europa park and, and whatnot they they really are um ones I, you can really sink your teeth into the backstory and whatnot um but i think uh talking of traumatica one of my highlights i think might be is um how how uh nice they are to us and how accommodating they are of us over in germany we go over there they're always inviting us to staff parties behind the scenes stuff um we're, we're really lucky that they uh sort of respect that we, what we are trying to do and that's trying to sort of put the uk and as much as we can european scare world on the map you know we're trying to create create quite a 
um, quite a connection with the the US space and the you know the American audience and uh, what those guys have been doing amazingly for years and years over in the states over here across the pond in the uk and europe we're quite kind of trying to show the rest of the world that we can scare too um and i think it's whenever anyone sort of just acknowledges that that's sort of a highlight to me if i get mentioned on a uh, a haunt topic uh, show in america if we we get a mention on uh, someone's website writing something about us it, it's those sort of little little nuggets of uh, of people giving you a little a little bit of a confidence boost really you know sometimes you hear in your bedroom going oh i don't know if anyone's going to listen to this crap but it's when people do and they feed back on it and re- you know request more of it they are definitely my highlights sorry that was way too many highlights that was so many highlights <laughs> <laughs> that was good i i liked it and and what i love that you pointed out is um is ironically i see it from the other side because obviously i have had scare attractions or have run scare attraction or been in a, an attraction that that you have come to um so from mm, the yeah. other side uh it's actually quite strange he, hearing you say that because um in in the uk for example there is only really you and scare tour scarecon you know that the, the kind of the the big reviewers that that we go and and look for feedback off uh so, so when you yeah. guys come to our attractions, we're actually well. I, I don't know about everyone else, but I know I am. Uh, you know, if you when you came to the Void, for instance, or any other attractions yeah. I've been in, yeah. uh, I've been very much like, oh my god, scare trucks come in! How cool is this? You know, it, oh, means so a lot. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird hearing it from the other side that, in a weird way, there's uh, uh, we both are very you know grateful in that way. Yeah, which is quite definitely. Nice definitely i'm just i'm just sort of it makes me quite humbled you know you know anyone that might buy our t-shirt or ask when's the next show out or like you say when we go to to parks you're you're willing enough to either welcome us there or you know or you know maybe discuss it with us afterwards and things like that it's it's those um it's those times that mean the most to me um or even you know speaking of uh, not just a haunt attraction owners creators designers such as yourself Brett but um just meeting people randomly who i have no idea who they are and they go mikey uh, can i have a photo now don't get me wrong that doesn't happen often at all i'm not trying to give myself any sort of god complex but it's it is that honestly that it melts my heart because i'm like i'm I'm just little old me and you know scare track we don't have the we don't have the biggest following compared to you know all these theme park youtubers and and content creators quote unquote um but the 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 fans i guess or the audience we do have are are so dedicated and, and so lovely and and that includes not only obviously attraction operators but just scare fans as well because that, that's that's mainly what the show's for i think i've um said to you before though mikey that i think uh podcasting is a much more intimate experience so i think when someone chooses to listen to a podcast you know they're really committing to you know listening to it for that hour definitely yeah i 100% agree with that the, the fact that people actually uh you know either subscribe or even if they just listen to one episode uh, like i say it's we are a niche sort of um content uh, provider really um we it's really humbling but like you say with the fact that they come into our podcast it's a 
it, it is more intimate. It means that they are actively trying to either find out this knowledge or uh, they are trying to see what this scare attraction is like and uh, I wonder what scare track think of it, that sort of thing. Um, but that's why we sort of, uh, as I was sort of took the reins of the podcast you know after sort of a year in when we were trying it bits and bobs and those first few episodes that's why we sort of created a youtube on on the side because that means that we can sort of give anyone who kind of likes the scare attraction could kind of come to us and go right okay i don't really want to listen to a full podcast review about uh, Orton Tower Scarefest but I'll check out their their 10 minute video or I might not even check out their podcast or their 10 minute video but I'll follow Scaretrack because I like their stories throughout the day on Instagram so I feel that we're, it's it's quite cool especially we're really lucky as well and, and, and you guys do similar the fact that we have so many different sort of social media platforms which are for the the general sort of maybe follower uh, the the general audience then I feel that we have the the YouTube channel to say, well, if they like it a little bit more, they might watch a few uh, videos of ours. And then if they like it even further, they really want to get into it. That's when the our sort of most dedicated uh, and loyal, and, and like you say, that the, the most interactive star, uh, listeners sort of um, sort of get involved, really. So, Mikey, I, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, being involved so heavily in the scare industry is, is is such an awesome thing you know as i say and you've you've been doing this for a while now so one thing that interested me and one thing i'd love to know is when was a moment that you've had while within your 10 years now of of scare experience industry based media career if you want to call it that um what when was the moment when you had to kind of pinch yourself to think, wow, no, this is so cool. This is like the coolest achievement or like coolest uh, moment that I'm living through right now with ScareTrack as a part of that experience. Um, that's a good one. Um, I have, a, I have, I've had a couple of little ones. Like um, I interviewed Scott Swenson um and although his name in the UK might not mean a huge, huge deal to all our listeners now, but he was the guy that created the first ever Bush Gardens Hollow Scream um, and the first ever, we think it was the first ever alone style attraction in the US. So for me to have him on my podcast, that, that's that's awesome. I was pinching myself then um, chatting to um, uh, Dr. Hayes from the Circus of Horrors. He reached out to me to come on my show. I thought that was incredible. Um, but so podcast wise, there's been a few, uh, interviews where I'm like, wow, this is really cool that I'm interviewing these, these people. Um, but me personally, when it comes to like, uh, an experience where I've traveled somewhere, I think it was when, um, when we went to Germany for Europa park, um, the last time we went, which was 2019, uh, we go to Traumatica every year and we're really into the story and we really do a full in-depth review on the podcast. We do a YouTube video. We're always following them on social media and interacting. Um, and and don't get me wrong, we, we paid for our tickets. We, we, we're we not these people that go, we deserve free tickets. Don't get me wrong. If anyone wants to invite us anywhere, oh my gosh, again, I'm so humbled. That's so nice. If people are like, yeah, come to our attraction and you obviously feature it on your story and things like that. We, we like to give like a, it's like a two-way street, isn't it? We'll do this and you're inviting us. That's awesome. But we have no problem with supporting the industry, buying our tickets. We go to Europa Park and we spend hundreds of pounds. But when we got there and we had our 
normal tickets to get in, the um, creative director of Traumatica came up to us with VIP passes which were worth £500 and they basically just treated us like like celebs for the whole night. Um, that, to me, was a pinch myself moment because you got to go to a special vip bar that only like 20 people in the whole park get to go to you got to experience some attractions alone which again no one else got to um so that was and this isn't me gloating me going hey look what i got this was genuinely a time and anyone that watched the uh the youtube episode or listened to the podcast will see how genuinely humbled and that just blew my mind the fact that these people in germany appreciate that we've we're sort of covering their event so much that they've just laid out the red carpet sort of thing so yeah that was that was a pinch me moment definitely one thing i know for sure about the scare industry in general especially in europe is probably the nicest people in the entire industry are all german um just <laughs> yeah definitely oh you know, i get on with so many so many people at europa park they're so lovely uh it's to say you know the European scare industry is is far smaller than the UK one. Um, it, if you can compare the UK to America and see the difference there, it's about the same difference again between the rest of Europe and just the UK. It's very few and far between between yeah. uh, theme parks and stuff like that. Um, and these guys are so, so lovely you have uh the haunted lantern guys are absolutely amazing they're some of the nicest people i know um and you've got dennis as well who does uh some other stuff with scare attractions over in in europe and they, they are lovely lovely people and we have they they come over to ScareCon every year uh yeah. when we can have it and <laughs> uh, and they are so lovely that is one thing i have definitely learned uh, the scare industry in the european side uh, literally holds some of the nicest people I've ever met. So, Mikey, so what what's next in 2021? What have we got to look forward to? Um, so, t- sort of the the same, uh, the same, but more of hopefully. Um, 2020 was a bit of a weird season for for all of us, really, wasn't it? it was you know where it comes to theme parks, screen parks, or just in life in general. Um, but we are we sort of moved forwards trying to do more collaborations on stuff i mean obviously me coming on your show now and you guys coming on my show i've always enjoyed doing that kind of stuff but we're trying to branch out just that little bit more we have a few more guest hosts on uh, the podcast now um and i've always been very cautious to not be that person who just has a million and one people recording an episode for me i, I don't want to be that if scare track are coming to somewhere i that i want people to know that it's it's scare track that that go into that place not just a random joe blogs who i know because he lives you know down south so he can go to that event for me i i don't want to to be that guy but what i do want is to at least try and cover more than just myself and hannah can get to especially in october when there's an event here there and absolutely everywhere um so moving forward hopefully with this halloween season obviously there's myself and hannah uh who are who sort of the main hosts we try and do as much as we can um we've always had martin and kate and sean sort of uh join us here there um but we're also now uh we've got polly from horror box uh an amazing reviewer she also uh co-directs um 
the Saturday Screams uh, Horror Film Festival. So she's very, she's got her knowledge of attractions to to do a few sort of guest spots this October, uh, along with uh, Dan and Jess, who created UK Haunters, the first feature length documentary in the UK on the UK haunt scene. Again, two people that have done their homework feel like they they know their stuff when it comes to to scares. So I'm hoping when it comes to a more normal quote unquote world with less covid that we're just able to bring uh more more content really um fingers crossed yeah sounds really good and uh hopefully we may may be able to do a little collab perhaps over the um halloween period so we'll have to have a bit of a discussion about that one and see what we can do brilliant okay so let's talk a little bit about fear and and what really scares us and what we're really looking for when we go to scare attractions so mikey I'm, I'm a little bit interested what what really scares you what are you afraid of would you say but why do you think that's something that you're afraid of uh right now i'm i'm scared of being made redundant but that's covid anyway uh <laughs> and that scares me for the normal reasons that i need money uh but when it comes to sort of like the psychology of scare and whatnot it's um it's a weird one for me because i was always terrified of of anything my own shadow even now i struggle to watch scary movies um and that's because i'm i'm scared of um well one of the everyone's scared of scared of loud loud sounds you know when you're born your only two uh, initial fears are the fear of falling and the fear of loud sounds and scare attractions obviously loud sounds horror movies loud sounds impacts those sort of things startles um and um and back uh, when I was younger, or I was scared of my own shadow. I wouldn't go on any ghost trains. Uh, you know, it was, um, I wouldn't even go on roller coasters. I was scared of them. And then it all it takes is that one to really change everything. I know a lot of uh, theme park people are really, really into theme parks because they used to be terrified. Then they went on Nemesis for the first time, loved them. Um, and I did the same. I went on to Saw Alive and I thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. Um, and what I thought scared me, you know, those loud bangs, those impact scares, although they do scare, they're also quite funny and you get humour out of it. Basically, I'm just skirting around the question, what really scares me is snakes. I don't like them, but uh, the less people know about that, the better, basically. I didn't know about that. How did I not know about that? You, you know what? It's because, I've one, I've kept it quite under wraps because I don't want people to go, oh, look, Mikey, here's a snake. Um, but I've... I've done quite well. When I was a kid, I could I'd run out the room. Uh, I couldn't look at them. I couldn't even watch Jungle Book, and that was a cartoon. <laughs> I was that terrified of snakes. And then, as I've got older, I've uh, I had an animal man come into my work, and he would stay after work every week and sort of uh, basically give me free counselling, you know, guidance on how to get over my fear. And I now have had a nine uh, a nine foot python around my neck. So, sorry, just I just want to just stop and say, you had snake counselling. I basically had snake counselling. Yeah, love that. That's, yeah. Is that where you get? Is that where you get counselled by a snake? Uh, well, <laughs> he did. He was wearing a nice little bow tie and everything. He looked so cute. He was going so, Mikey. <laughs> so let's talk about your fears. <laughs> and you're like, oh, can you stop whispering in yeah. my ear? 
Yeah, like Hiss from Robin Hood. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, so, Mikey, you touched on a little bit about enthusiasts uh, being scared of rides, and I think that's very true that in our early years, a lot of enthusiasts were scared of rides. When I think back to what scared me, um, I, I, I remember looking up at the big one and just thinking it was so impossibly high, and I'm not sure, I think there was some primal fear for me in that I was worried about, you know, getting hurt because I think sometimes you look up, if you're not in the know, perhaps, with roller coasters, you kind of look at them and sometimes you think, oh, it looks dangerous. And I think why people became enthusiasts is probably because they decided to look into it. Oh, let's, uh, let's look into actually how dangerous are rides. Oh, not very. Uh, oh, how do they actually work? Oh, that's how they work. Oh, that's interesting. And I think that's how you slowly kind of get sucked into being an enthusiast. I think also the thing with roller coasters is you're not in control. And I think that's a lot of when people are scared of flying. I think a lot of it comes down to control. And I think if you can get to the point where you can accept that you're not in control and kind of enjoy the ride, it's actually a really good way to escape the ev- everyday life because you're giving away your control on this roller coaster for the next couple of minutes and it's something you can really enjoy so you know w- what do you think about it? is that something uh, you agree with or do you think i'm i'm talking nonsense with that <laughs> oh no i totally get what you're saying there it's it is about potentially knowing more having more having more knowledge on something which can obviously will inevitably inevitably create more of a passion potentially for something um and like you say you're giving up control for a little bit of time to go on nemesis or oblivion for example um and that's escapism and i think that sort of works with with so many different forms of media entertainment leisure adrenaline seeking even just a a quick go on the arcade at your local pub you know it's it's one of those you want to have that escapism uh, and again, I think that's why people enjoy scare attractions for for the next seven minutes. I'm going to go through House of Clowns. I'm going to try and escape and believe that I am in a House of Clowns and I'm going to be scared. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to have uh, people shout at me and I'll be startled, but then I'll leave and be happy and enjoyed it and want to do it again. So, yeah, definitely. I, I think the fact the more you learn, the more that you can develop a passion, I guess. And and that then turns into you wanting to escape uh, more and more do you know it's funny when um when you were talking about losing control and not being in control and that providing the escape i often find now when i ride a roller coaster for the first time uh, at the beginning of the season i will have missed it so much that i will close my eyes when i'm on the coaster and just enjoy the sensations of flying through the air and through the trees because i find it totally relaxing and an escape and i think for me a massive fear of, of mine and still is actually to say the truth, is is the dark and the fear of vulnerability. So as soon as I'm in the pitch black and I can't see what's around me, I don't know what my sense of direction is, I am I genuinely get absolutely terrified, completely terrified. I hate it. Um, I remember one of the, one of the scariest um, haunts I've ever been through. And this, I don't know if anyone else uh, feels like this way, but it was the, um, it was uh, a subspecies at... Um, towers and it was my first time going through it this was quite a few years back and i didn't know i hadn't 
done any research about it. I didn't know. I just sort of thought it was just like another maze. Obviously, there's that entire section, spoiler alert, at the end when you're going through in the pitch black by yourself. And sure, you have the rope, but it took me ages to find the rope. And oh my gosh, I hated every second of it because I was so isolated and so alone. And so I think that and that adrenaline buzz has kind of spurred on into my roller coaster fandom because I have such an obsession with indoor dark roller coasters because I love the fact that you can't see the track or where you're going and you almost have that vulnerability or at least the train has that vulnerability right and that becomes more of an excited pleasure but in a scare attraction sense I'm I hate when I'm in the pitch black and I'm completely vulnerable there's nothing more terrifying in the world especially because you can have just noises especially like you were saying noises you know people just even just doing growls and clicks and things by your ear and you just don't know where anything where anything is coming from and i think the more attractions the more that recently attractions have utilized that it's been so effective and it just gets me every single time i'd like to come back to that actually later on if we discuss this in a little bit more depth um how you said you know just the likes of growls and clicks and stuff like that i i wrote a few notes down while but just before we started about what i would want to talk about uh, it turns out i just wrote down what i teach my scare actors um so uh part of that was literally um i always make a point to to try and uh get a scare actor unless it's obviously very uh concept specific um to to use a noise or make a sound that is literally like nothing has ever been heard before. Um, the weirder and more unhuman the sound tends to be, uh, the more unexpected it is, and 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 generally the, the 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 better the scare I found in quite a lot of cases. Which is why you'll find a lot of scare actors do these really weird snorting noises and 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 these mm. like weird noise because I think that those sounds just seem to be more effective and i think it's because they're just so unhuman yeah definitely i think that um that can be developed even more as well in the fact that um the way people move their bodies it's, it's just a it's just something different that you're not used to it can start off as simple as you know the makeup people are wearing even if you look at your partner your wife your your husband whoever um and they're wearing a different style of like face paint or a mask on instantly that's not the norm that's different that's something new and you might you might even get a shock if you like my missus just walked in on me now and she had a big um clown face on i'd go bloody hell that, that was scary so it's something different and like you say brett the fact that the you know some some characters are so so talented honestly and it's an art form that uh, that you you can you can teach anyone to scare act but there's some people that can really scare act yeah. and whether they change their voice, even the way they move um, Jack Louie and the way that he can do this sort of backwards crab walk thing is disgustingly scary uh, and beautiful in its own right. And, and these people can really, really um, scare. Uh, and Brett probably knows more than that uh, than me dealing with obviously lots of actors each season and, and teaching them uh, methods and, and ways to scare. But um, yeah, so some people are extremely talented and it, it is the whole element of that's different. I'm scared of it sort of thing. Yeah, I, 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 there are some incredible scare actors out there. Uh, Jax is a, is a brilliant 
uh, example actually who works at uh, Alton Towers and uh, there's there's some I, I do feel like I don't know if you can agree with this actually Mikey but I have felt that there's been a bit of a drop off there was a year there was a few years maybe between 2010 to 2015 where there were a lot of individual scare actors that the entire scare industry knew about and I feel like that has become lessened recently. I don't know why that is. I don't know whether that's because those actors have moved on to do other things eventually or uh, whether we just haven't uh, found these incredible individual unique scare actors. Uh, but one thing I can say is is having taught maybe hundreds of people how to scare act now, uh, I've learned that you can't teach someone how to scare act. Uh, there are techniques. There are things you can tell people what to do. You can teach them how to do it. Um, but you'll find that the best scare actors weren't trained to do that. Uh, they they just it is an almost sense. Uh, one thing I I just cannot find a way of teaching anyone how to do is uh, something that if I'm ever scare acting, I'll always find people's blind spots appear out of nowhere you know if i'm roaming around or something and to teach someone to do that i i have found impossible i don't know i think it's an instinctual thing for some people uh you've got to have some sort of uh kind of instinct. natural instinct isn't it yeah i think it is an instinct uh for a lot of people and i've found that uh, a lot of actors from stage and film equally can sometimes not make great scare actors yeah, it's it's yeah. so strange it is definitely its own unique art form for sure yeah i i totally agree with that i mean i've got a, a bloody degree in theater and there's and i'm not the best character in the world i can give it a good go and a, a few nights of the season I'll, I'll don't get me wrong i'll get some good scares in i know a few techniques but there's uh, the scare actors that have have really terrified me are really the people that have not a lot of theatre training as such. Don't get me wrong, there's some th thespians out there that are phenomenal scare actors, uh, and vice versa. That there, there'll be some uh, people who don't uh, really do acting that can't pick it up as well. But um, I, I'm definitely I definitely agree with what, you, what you're saying there, Brett. Is that is, there's certain things to that you just can't teach certain people, and they they're just good at it, and uh, and. Like you say, between sort of like 2010, 2015, you felt that there was some key key players uh, in the game, and and they were, and, and we you know we can we can list a handful. I, I think the the change moving forwards, if we take last year out of the equation, because obviously that was a very weird year. You know, spooky world had so many more actors because Farmageddon were closed, and towers were getting lots of uh, thespians in and theatre people because um, you know sh shows weren't touring and whatnot. Um, but if you look at the con you know the general consensus over the last five years, although the scare industry in the UK really compared to the US, like we say earlier, it, it is tiny. But it has grown so so rapidly. Um, the amount of new events popping up, the uh, the the struggle to get actors now, which never used to be there, purely because of the amount of more amount amount of new events that are popping up, or the um, the haunts that used to only have two mazes now have 
six mazes or um, need more people in their scares. I mean, Thought Park last year, I think it looked to me that they had more actors there before. It just seemed that way because they were all out in the park. You know, they had like five or six scare zones and they were all very heavily occupied by actors or dancers or, or, or scare actors. So I think I, I might be wrong. Um, it's just the growth of the industry has sort of um, maybe made it more difficult for us to see those standout scarers. And maybe it's more of a case of, you know, the the Merlin lot, they know who their key players are, or, you know, the people that are all more up north, the, the Scream Camp and the Faceless Ventures and the Yorkshire Scareground sort of people, they sort of know the key players up north. And I think it might be because it's growing, um, we're just finding more people are more so popular within the territories rather than the whole of the UK. Do you think, uh, Mikey, now that there is a lot more competition, do you think that attractions need to find new ways to scare people and and what different ways do you think the and techniques do you think scare attractions are starting to use now that's a that's a difficult one really i mean i still feel that some of my favorite scare attractions and we, we spoke about uh passage del terra on my um on my i'm on scare track on my podcast um some of the old ones are still the best we all look at the asylum uh probably through slightly uh roast into glasses with a hint of nostalgia but still we we look back at the the ones that really got us and that were just really fun experiment 10 at thought park one of them tear the towers the sanctuary um just these solid solid style of attractions uh which is why i think spooky world last year was so popular obviously there were less attractions open but it is just kind of an old school with no thrills gonna scare your pants off kind of thing um i there are new ways i mean uh, different types of technology uh, in the states is getting very heavily animatronic i like the fact that in the uk we're picking that up but not too much that we can try and find a nice balance with animatronic against actor um I think the the only way that scare attractions really, other than having better type of lighting, better um, sounds, better, you know, just as you'd upgrade your iPhone every few years, you're going to upgrade your lighting system or your, your, your techies or whatnot. Um, I think the scare industry, the way that they're moving forward on scaring people is just either making it more extreme or making it more alone or making it more interactive so just developments on what we're already doing now really i think a key example of the scare industry in the uk finding new ways to scare people you just need to look at alton towers and what they've done over the last four or five years um we've gone away entirely from the uh, the days of hands on shoulders, only 10 people in a group. Um, we now see hands on, near enough alone experiences, uh, subspecies literally parts the entire group up into different sections yeah. of the maze. And that's a perfect example of even these major theme parks finding new ways to scare people. And, and they found it effective and they've, they've, they've kind of expanded on that. Um, I, I remember a time when I first started out designing scare attractions and my first note to myself designing a scare attraction was, right, so we get 10 people and they have their hands on each other's shoulders and, and, and that was how I started a scare attraction. 
I, like that's how I, I wrote a design down. Um, but now I don't even think about that. It's so, it's so we are seeing the progression of new ways of scaring people since it's become a little bit more mainstream in the big theme parks. So yeah, definitely. I get, especially with the the hands on shoulders thing that I can't remember the last time I put my hands on someone's shoulders. So I think the the changes in the scare industry have have, have kind of already happened. Like you say, Brett. It, you know, the last time I think I did that was the sanctuary um and i think since again we're mentioning subspecies 2015 that was kind of a breakout year i think in the uk to to mix things up a little bit so then i want to put this question out to both brett and and and, and mikey then can I, talking about the evolution of scares and and how attractions are evolving um and we're seeing you know a change in the way that the throughput's going, the way that the, the audience is, is moving through the, 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 the shows and attractions. Can a scare attraction then go too far? Is it possible for a scare attraction to ever go too far? And if so, what do you think that could be? Or do you think it comes down to different types of audiences? I'm just interested to get both of your opinions on that. You know, can a scare attraction or scare um, experience or show go too far? Really good question. And I actually feel like both me and Mikey could, could answer this question really well together because, Mikey, you have experienced Cracked, right? Uh, yep. Yes, I have. <laughs> so for, for anyone that doesn't know, um, Cracked survival experience um, is, is pretty well known for being the most extreme attraction in Europe. Um, maybe the only thing really defeating it would be the likes of McKamey Manor and stuff like that over in America, which is, which is just beyond crazy. Um, so I had the privilege of being on the original design team that, that, that did Cracked. Uh, so it'll be interesting to have that conversation between what is too far in terms of an extreme attraction between you know, me who originally helped design one to then Mikey actually experiencing what is potentially too far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you're asking just me personally, I, I think there's limits 100%. Um, and I think McKamey Manor was beyond those limits. Um, like, like, um, Brett's already mentioned that is basically a really extreme haunt in the US. I think he's been cancelled a few times now and he's had to move from state to state. Um, I think, and we're very much getting into the extreme sort of territories of scare attractions now, um, and they are in their own little niche bubble. Um, some haunters don't even class them as scare attractions at all, or haunted houses, or scare mazes, whatever you want to call them. Um, but the the natural progression of a scare attraction to make it more intense to make it scarier it does seem to be down this sort of extreme path that we've gone down um the states have quite a handful um mckamey manor is one that people just go that's that is far too too much but i know someone that's experienced it and i know another person that experienced it three times <laughs> so you would argue to her it wasn't too much whereas other people that say forward within 10 minutes and say i'm never going in that place again would say that was way too far i can't believe that's legal here in the uk we have cracked um i've also done um hurting which is like a, a 
a extreme style card game which i got lots of uh sort of bruises and and pinches and and burns from that um and then there's crap survival experience which is more like a, a boot camp style thing uh, you know zombie boot camp really extreme physical um uh, oh, well, project fear the first ever thing that in the uk i think you did alone and there was lots of uh waterboarding and uh buried alive sort of sequences things like that um so extreme is the way haunts seem to go to make it to make push that envelope but for me personally although fear is a matter of opinion there are some things that are just too far um heretic for example in the us they use cable ties zip ties and they put them all the way up your nose it's they they do water. I mean, I've been waterboarded, but they do proper waterboarding stuff. Uh, really physical things to these people. Um, there's uh, I think blackout, which is a very psychosexual style of, uh, of experience. Um, Brett, I mean, here in the UK, we've had psychomantium. Even you could argue that that's a more um, I wouldn't say extreme such nowadays, but that's definitely a more out of the box attraction that I. I eat it up. I, I really enjoy it, but I'm sick and twisted. If I took my mum in there, she would be thinking, what the hell is that and why is it allowed to go ahead? So it's a difficult one because so many people think have different thresholds, don't they? What um what what would you say drives people to want to experience fear to that extent or... Are they not experiencing fear at all? Is it is it just purely entertainment, and they've just got a higher threshold to it? The um the when when I say the extreme attractions, I don't mean uh, the after nine p.m. in a theme park attractions. I am talking about you know these uh, significant single one-time events like cracked experience uh, and and you know psychomantium. These these really over-the-line attractions um their main draw is actually uh we found that with cracked we we literally ended up making a cult um a part of the psychology behind cracked was to to emulate um a, a form of cult uh and I, I i can say we we pretty much did it maybe too well uh and now people have I definitely act- agree with that. Yeah, now people have actual tattoos of of the cracked logo that we designed, uh, or the 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 essential prayer to the the main character called Blake Ciccone. Uh They have his name tattooed on them and stuff like that. So uh, these people are not your average scare attraction theme park goer. Uh, and what we have found is that a lot of the people coming to them are actually just challenging themselves. Uh, and we found that um, the main reason they go to these attractions is to overcome almost a, a, a self-disbelief in themselves. Uh, we, we have, without going into any uh, details about anyone specific, because you know, these are very private stories for some people, um, but there have been people that have... Uh, had uh, some form of abuse in their past that they have genuinely come to uh, an extreme attraction who, that want to basically prove to themselves 
that they can do something really, really hard and push themselves past that barrier to, to you know, g- give them uh, a, a sort of belief in themselves. And uh, it, it works. It, you get the same kind of adrenaline rush you would for, for going on Oblivion the first time and saying, wow, I really couldn't do that, but, but I did it. And it was actually amazing. Uh, I, I think they get that same sort of, you know, sense of, uh, you know, belief in themselves that they can do anything, really. I think that's the main kind of target audience for these overly extreme attractions. I don't know if you agree with me on that, Mikey. Yeah, yeah, totally, 100%. It, it, I mean, some some of these people don't even go through haunted houses or scare attractions. They're, they're just there to try and push themselves. And I know, you know, I did it. I It's a with cracked for example it's a six hour event and i managed to last four hours 23 minutes and i'm proud that i've done that would i do it again no because it did crack me it was intense it was it was too much for me personally but you know it was really really good and i felt not like a re i'm not going to say i'm like a reborn again uh, for doing it but i can totally see how people again can can get into it get into their heads go yes i've completed that so i do want a tattoo of it you know i want a tattoo of traumatica because i get so much into the story there and i've gone every year and i've seen all the subplots etc etc again it depends how how much you want to get into it um and there's definitely different levels to that you know you going through psychomantium alone at scare kingdom that will be a big deal to a hell of a lot of people and that's slightly more mainstream not quite as mainstream as an Orton towers or thought park or halloween horror nights for example um but it's definitely more mainstream and they'll sell um more tickets than uh, than a cracked will because a cracked is or a, a heretic or a blackout or the Kami manor even are are really that bit more intense and it is the people that want to sort of it's the people that do tough mudders and do 5ks and uh, you know it's it's that extra level of either i'm gonna get more scared or i'm gonna just find this difficult and i need to try and get through it i have to say you mentioned uh psycho is it psychomentum is that the right, right Psycho, yeah, Psychomantium, yeah. Psychomantium, that's it. I can never pronounce it. Um, that is on my list to do. Uh, I haven't made it up to uh, Scare Kingdom yet, um, just because of distance and usually I'm nine times out of ten working over the Halloween period. But I am determined to get up to Psychomantium to experience it by myself. There's been a number of um, different variations and shows they've had with the sort of experience going through it by yourself and i've always heard of these kind of legends and stories of what happens inside and i'm desperate to 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 try it as almost as a bit of like a gateway into the kind of more extreme world of things i'm definitely not one for i I don't know if i'm one for extreme i've got a very strong mental ability to kind of keep on pushing and and pushing myself and and if there's a challenge i will try and overcome it but i'd be really interested to try psychomantium and and to move into more of the extreme world just to try it um do you know it's funny because when brett when we first started got talking uh through the podcast last year well i guess was it last it was in last year we met brett when did we meet i want to say it was last year um when we met yeah i think um, it was like last year it was last year when we met, it was amazing because I, I had always wanted to do Cracked 
as a kid and as like a teenager i'd always wanted to see cracked and watched it and find it and um and it turns out brett Blumen was on the design team and i absolutely blew my mind i was like no way and there were so many other attractions that brett, brett had worked on that i wanted to do as a as a kind of a 17 18 19 year old something but i just never could because you know, I was just that little bit too young where I didn't quite fully have my kind of independence or I couldn't get there or whatever, you know. So definitely now more than ever, I'm really keen to just gently explore the world of extreme scare attractions just to see if the myths and the legends are true, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Psycho Mansion is probably your, definitely the, the best first foot in the door, if that makes sense. It's, um, I'd say it's slightly tamed down over the years. I, th- I think it's sort of, it was... I say tame, tame-ish for its time. It was actually very groundbreaking and very different when it came in 2013, I believe, the first one. It's had 20 incarnations since. Um, but it sort of got uh, more intense, more intense, more intense, more intense, more gruesome, more disgusting, more taste-disgusting. And it got sort of like to a point, and now I feel like they're, especially because of COVID and because of other things that have happened within the scare industry up north, they've gone for a more, rather than things actually happening to you now, it's more of a visual theatrical experience, like you're watching these scenes play out, uh, which I actually prefer um, anyway. One, it means that I don't have to take any horrible taste in shots. It means that my fingers don't smell like ass when I come out, but I've visualised something quite sick, quite twisted, and it's basically theatre of cruelty, which is what I, I majored in at uni anyway. So, um, yeah, I'd definitely say that Psychomantium is your, your first foot in the door if you want to try something that little bit more insane, really. It's... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there. I'm going to get there this year, determined. And I'll report back. Mikey, I will message you, and I'll let you know my thoughts, because honestly, I, I need to do it. I do always like to hear people's opinions on Psychomantium in, in its earlier years. I think I I think I managed to brave it in its second iteration. Um, it is so, so disgustingly sexual for all the wrong reasons that that um, I don't know how many people really know how bad it is uh, when they go into it, and it, it it is really disgusting, like 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 retchingly nearly sick in the middle of the attraction, disgusting. Um, so. Yeah, I think uh, it is a good one to start with because going to to the likes of uh, Cracked, for instance, is is um, way way beyond that. Not in a sexual way at all. In fact, uh, Cracked touches on nothing sexual at all, really. Um, so it's a it's a different type of extreme for sure. Yeah, but definitely. Um, it's that. Yeah, it sounds like um, an attraction. That's maybe not for everybody, perhaps, but maybe something definitely to check out. Definitely. So that's been a really interesting conversation, and I think um, it's probably something we need to uh, pick up again in the future, I think. But um, before we do wrap up and finish the episode, Mikey, do you want to just remind everyone where they can find you? Uh, yeah, of course. So... Um basically everything uh is found direct on our website uh, scaretrack.co.uk on there you can find every podcast episode whether it be coaster track or scare track every um youtube video we've done our merchandise um how to get to all our uh, social media channels on there we're on instagram twitter snapchat and facebook just search for scare track um but of course because we are a podcast we're basically on any any i think podcast platform out there uh, spotify stitcher uh, apple podcast um 
Google Play, literally every, absolutely everywhere. And our YouTube videos, obviously, youtube.com forward slash scare track. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find us. You can find me um, towards the end of this month. I'm going to be on a, a panel, an online panel, um, a COVID secure roundtable panel. Um, Fear Expo, Fear Expo. It's a brand new convention online uh, for people that own haunted attractions and, and creatives and whatnot. Um, so that's the the next thing for us at Scare Track, really. But yeah, you can check out all our stuff on our social media pages and keep online with us. Thank you. And our Commissioner of Fear, Brett, our very own Brett, tell us a little bit about yourself and remind everyone where they can find you. Uh, you can find my related theme park stuff on my Instagram page at Theme Parks by Brett. Um, also, all my scare attraction related stuff, uh, my attractions and where I'm working throughout the Halloween period, if we have a Halloween period in Wales this year, um, through uh, Fear and Sons Immersive Horror Consulting. Uh, one thing I wanted to add really quick, if any of the listeners were interested uh, in, in you know the aspects of fear, um, it's something we didn't quite get around to. And like you said, uh, Ryan, we could probably come back to this. Um, but look at the uh, Little Albert experiment. Uh, it's it's an experiment that's quite well known based on how to develop an irrational fear in someone. Uh, and it is using, the like Mikey mentioned at the start of the podcast, uh, loud noises and the fear of falling, the two fears that, that as humans we, we are born with, uh, and, and associating them with objects. And it actually explains why we're scared of snakes, for instance, or spiders like I am, you know. Uh, so it's it's a really good one to look into the the little Albert experiment. It's a something I tell all of my scare actors about because it 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 definitely gives you that initial thought process of what maybe these instinctual scare actors are thinking about when they're scaring someone. Yeah, I think that's definitely something we need to uh, get into our teeth into a little bit more, don't we? Sam, last but not least, give us your slick promo. Oh, I don't know how slick it's going to be now, but you can find me on Instagram. That's at Coaster Sound Blog, where you can join in all the fun again with our theme park trivia show and our news pieces on the blog. Um, Instagram at Coaster Sound Blog, YouTube at Coaster Sound Blog. Join in the fun. Thank you. And Theme Park Looper, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. And of course, if you're listening to the podcast and you enjoy it, then remember to click follow or subscribe. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again real soon. Mm-hmm.